Dear Father in Heaven, we offer this time to you, and we ask you to be here with us. We trust that you will keep your promise, and that you are here. May my words be your words, and all of our thoughts, your thoughts. We pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. This is a reading from the Gospel according to Matthew, beginning in the 25th chapter and the first verse. Then Jesus said to them, The kingdom of heaven will be like ten bridesmaids who took their lamps and went to meet the bridegroom. Five of them were foolish, and five were wise. For when the foolish took their lamps, they took no oil with them. But the wise took flasks of oil with their lamps. As the bridegroom was delayed, they all became drowsy and slept. But at midnight there was a cry, Here is the bridegroom, come out to meet him. Then all those bridesmaids rose and trimmed their lamps. And the foolish said to the wise, Give us some of your oil, for our lamps are going out. But the wise answered, saying, Since there will not be enough for us and for you, go rather to the dealers and buy for yourselves. And while they were going to buy, the bridegroom came, and those who were ready went in with him to the marriage feast, and the door was shut. Afterward, the other bridesmaids came also, saying, Lord, Lord, open to us. But he answered, Truly I say to you, I do not know you. Watch, therefore, for you know neither the day nor the hour. The Gospel of the Lord. I chose uh, for our reading this afternoon a parable of Jesus that simply cannot mean what it appears to mean. Seems to be a simple enough story, right? It's about bridesmaids who aren't prepared and who are therefore denied entry into the wedding feast. The groom says to them as they knock, imploring to be allowed into the party, Truly, I tell you, I do not know you. And then we get Jesus' admonishing words, Keep awake, therefore, for you know neither the day nor the hour. I always think it's funny to say the gospel of the Lord after a reading like this. It's like, yay, the good news. You know neither the day nor the hour. Keep awake. The gospel of the Lord. At first glance, this parable just seems to be a plug for the Boy Scouts, right? Be prepared. I was myself a Boy Scout for a while until I realized that none of the cool kids were in the Boy Scouts. And as soon as I figured out it wasn't cool to be in the Boy Scouts, I quit immediately to try to jumpstart my social life. It turned out, of course, that my social problems weren't the Boy Scouts' fault. It had more to do with the glasses and the braces and the paralyzing fear of talking to pretty much anybody. But this should be the official Boy Scout parable, right? Don't be foolish. Be prepared. And we can Christianize this very easily, right? Christians talking about being prepared too. And when a Christian says, be prepared... He or she usually means something like, be good, right? Get your affairs in order. Get your life in order so that when Jesus comes back, you're ready. 
as James Brown says in the Blues Brothers, don't be lost when the time comes. For the day of the Lord cometh as a thief in the night. Get ready. Be prepared. Fix yourself. So that when Jesus arrives, he will look at you and be pleased to invite you into his party. And this kind of story appeals to us. It makes sense. The bridesmaids who are prepared get rewarded. And the bridesmaids who are unprepared get punished. Boom. Simple. Moral of the story, be prepared. Translated into Christianese, stay on the path that God has chosen for you. Are you this noon on that path? I can hear my Christian friends saying, now how is your walk with Christ going? Are you on the path that God has prepared for you? Are you a wise bridesmaid? Are you going to be ready to welcome Christ should he return? Or are you a foolish bridesmaid about to get caught out as unprepared, unrighteous, unworthy? Are you risking being left out of the party for all eternity? That's why this passage rubs us the wrong way. Why it simply cannot mean what it appears to clearly mean. It seems to be endorsing good Christians and denouncing everyone else. You know, the bridesmaids who thought ahead, who thought to bring extra oil, are the wise ones. They get into the park. And you know who they are. They're in your life too. They're the children who remember to call their parents on their anniversary. They're the woman in your Bible study who always asks the deep questions. The siblings who have successful and mutually supportive relationships with one another. The man who says that he needs to pray about an important decision in his life and actually seems to mean it. The parents who seem to be able to balance the needs of their children and their need to have a well-rounded social life. You know, the people we all hate. We hate these people, the people who seem to have it all together, because they are making it obvious how untogether we have it. Their goodness only serves to highlight our badness. And annoyingly, this parable seems to be on the side of the hated good Christians. It's on the side of the goody-two-shoes kids who seem to have great relationships with their parents and their siblings, the ones who get voted class president. It's on the side of the people who seem to be really good at their jobs and seem to live a relatively stress-free life. It's on the side of the Bible readers, on the side of the quiet time havers, and on the side of the prayer warriors. They get into the party. But it can't be. Because what about me? What about us foolish bridesmaids? Well, I have good news for you this afternoon. And the good news is that we are reading this parable all wrong. We assume that this parable is about getting Christians to ask themselves, how can I make sure that I always have enough oil? But the parable is really about a different question Altogether, This story, this parable of Jesus, is about getting Christians to ask themselves, what do I do when my lamp is empty? The action 
of the parable really kicks off when the bridegroom starts to return, right? The wise bridesmaids start to get everything ready, and the foolish bridesmaids run out to the market to try to get some oil. Let's say, just for the sake of argument, and stay with me here, I'm about to get theologically fringe. Let's say that this story is really about you and Jesus. If somebody came running into this church right now and announced that Jesus was coming back, that there was a hole in the sky, and that he was on his way right now, and you actually found that you believed that, how would you feel about it? Would you feel like a wise bridesmaid or a foolish one? Well, speak for yourself, but I would be freaking out. The thoughts that would run through my mind would not be thoughts of joy at the coming of my Savior, but thoughts of panic at my unpreparedness. Not now, Lord, I would say. Oh, no. I haven't had time to reconcile that broken relationship. Not now. I'm still a failure at the office and a poor provider for my family. Not now. Can I have some more time to memorize the Psalms? Just a few more minutes. It's like Tennessee Ernie Ford says, you load 16 tons and what do you get? Another day older and deeper in debt. St. Peter, don't you call me because I can't go. I owe my soul to the company store. Jesus, don't come back now. I still owe my soul to the company store. I still have so much fixing that I need to do. And when the foolish bridesmaids hear that the bridegroom is returning, they freak out and try desperately to get ready. Now, to illustrate their desperation, I'd like to read you a short section from Tom Wolfe's amazing The Right Stuff, which tells the story of the American space program which, as you may know, started as an outgrowth of the Air Force test pilot program at Edwards Air Force Base in California in the early 1950s. These pilots would try out new airplanes that no one had ever flown before, some of which worked well and some of which didn't. Um, For a frame of reference, in 1952 alone, 62 Air Force pilots were killed in 36 weeks of training. 62 pilots killed in 36 weeks of training. So here we go from Tom Wolfe's The Right Stuff. In those airplanes, which were like chimneys with little razor blade wings on them, you had to be afraid to panic. And that phrase was no joke. In the skids, the tumbles, the spins, there was truly only one thing you could let yourself think about. What do I do next? Sometimes at Edwards, they used to play the tapes of pilots going into that final dive, the one that killed them. And the man would be tumbling, going end over end in a 15-ton length of pipe with all the aerodynamics long gone and not one prayer left, and he knew it. And he would be screaming into the, the microphone, but not for mother, or for God, or the nameless spirit of Ahor, but for one last hopeless crumb of information, 
I've tried A. I've tried B. I've tried C. I've tried D. Tell me what else I can try. And then that truly spooky click on the machine. What do I do next? And everybody around the table would look at one another and nod ever so slightly. And the unspoken message was, too bad. There was a man with the right stuff. This is the foolish bridesmaids. And this is us. I've tried A. I've tried B. I've tried C. I've tried D. Tell me what else I can try. Tell me where I can find some oil. Tell me how I can fix my life. What else can I do to become the kind of person who is worthy of entry into the wedding feast? And just like those early test pilots at Edwards Air Force Base, we're screaming into the microphone right up until we plow into the ground. We miss the bridegroom's coming completely because we have our heads buried in the control panel trying to save ourselves. Now, the other pilots thought it was a sign of the right stuff that the dying pilot never cried out for mother or for God. But make no mistake, that's the wrong stuff. That kind of stuff only ever ends with a smoking crater in the ground. Self-salvation projects always end in death. That's the bad news. We are all unprepared bridesmaids, rushing out, trying to make everything right as the bridegroom approaches. We are the test pilots, screaming into the microphone, desperately begging for one more thing to try. This really is the essence of so much of our Christian lives, isn't it? Or just as people, this is how we live our lives. Pressure comes at us from somewhere, and we freak out and try desperately to make it right. We try to save ourselves. I've tried A, I've tried B, I've tried C and D. Give me something else to try. And this tendency toward self-salvation, the need that we find in ourselves to make things right, is what Jesus is talking about in this parable. It's not really about the forethought of the wise bridesmaids, or even about the more laissez-faire attitude of the foolish ones. It's really about how we act when we get caught out, when our unpreparedness is discovered, when the moment comes and we're not ready. When that test pilot is plummeting back to earth, He shouldn't be calling out to ground control. He should be calling out to God. What if, when the bridegroom arrived, the bridesmaids had simply said, Master, we love you, and we waited for you. We're unprepared, we're foolish, and we're sorry. This bridegroom, our bridegroom, Jesus Christ the righteous, has a ready answer for foolish 
bridesmaids like that. He said it to the thief on the cross. And it is the good news. Truly, I tell you, today you will be with me in paradise. Or in other words, I forgive you. I love you. Come inside to the party. So instead of crying out, I've tried A, I've tried B, I've tried C and D. Tell me what else I can try. We cry out, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. But when the bridegroom arrives, the foolish bridesmaids aren't even there. This is their true foolishness. They didn't trust in the goodness of the bridegroom. They're so worried about their unpreparedness and so busy trying to save themselves that they miss his coming entirely. So when God comes, either in the flesh at the end of days or in his Holy Spirit into your head while you're eating your pimento cheese sandwich in a few minutes, you'll want to freak out. You'll feel unprepared and foolish. But don't worry about making things right. That's his job. And he has done it. Just say, I am a foolish bridesmaid. And do nothing. He'll say what he always says, what he said on the cross 2,000 years ago, and what he said before the foundation of the world, and what he says to you right now. It is finished. Today, you are with me in paradise. Amen.